It's our spring training injury update show. For the next 50 minutes, Ruvain has you covered with all of the key injured players and our fantasy take on how to handle them. Beat the Shift is next. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruben Guy. How are you, Ruben? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Spring training in the thick of things. We've got some 22 pitch at bats. Did you see that with uh, Luz Guillerme? Yeah, that was just amazing. And it was amazing how he just kept fouling off pitches and fouling off pitches and how the bench was reacting. It was just amazing to watch. If you haven't seen it, it's on MLB on Twitter. It's all over the place. It's really great. Yeah. Well, today is our injury update episode. Uh, no guest today. We're just going to have uh, Ruvain go through a bunch of updates to some hitters, pitchers, and all, everything in between. Uh, and we'll give a little bit of fantasy spin, of course, as we go. So let's just uh, let's just shoot it right here. Starting with uh, some hitters, Alex Bregman. Um, you know, we know he was injured. Question for you is, how much did injuries affect Bregman in, in 2020? I don't think it affected him that much. Um, I think, if anything, he may be affected the first couple months of the season now because he's still dealing with a sore hamstring, and he's first expected to make his spring debut sometime this week. Now, that only gives him about two weeks to get into game shape. I don't know if he can do that or not, but, you know, we'll just have to see. Okay, so, you know, in terms of expectation, ATC is projecting 538 at-bats. Is is that going to be too high, too low, just right? What are your, what's your sense? No, I think that's going to be just right because they can hypothetically, hypothetically use him as a DH. I know they have Jordan Alvarez who also just started hitting this week as well. Um, So, you know, it's kind of hard. They really don't have a place to play him besides third. So he has only been DH. He's scheduled to only the DH. Um, He hasn't really played the field yet also. So that's also a little bit of a concern. So the at-bats, I think he'll get close to that, but it's going to be limited um, early on in the season. Okay. I mean, uh, ATC is low on Alex Bregman, pre- predicting him for a bust, not not a bargain. So with the injury concern as well, I- I'm pretty much staying off of Bregman. I have no shares of him. How about you? Same with me. I don't have any shares of, of him. Um, I'm nervous also about that lineup because there are a lot of either aging or possibly coming off of injured players. So it's a little bit questionable. And with George Springer gone, George Springer was the leadoff guy and he actually stirred the drink a lot. So I'm a little bit nervous about that lineup. I'm not saying that at the right bargain, I wouldn't get him, but it has to be at the right bargain. Okay, next player, Xander Bogarts. Um, I know he has that shoulder issue, which you'll tell us about in a second, but I mean, ATC has found him over uh sorry undervalued um he has five categories with above a 0.5 z score uh three of those categories above a 125 z score we're talking about a five category contributor here who's found in the third rounds who uh, really to me is a great base of stats and i'm finding myself buying him uh, quite a bit um low chance of a bust low chance of much of a gain but at a value value and a low risk to me, that, that's a great, great spot for him. Uh, what is his injury status? Well, he was he has been dealing with a shoulder injury for most of spring training. He has a sore right, sore right shoulder. His MRI was negative. Um, he And he just recently began serving as Boston's DH over the past few games without any issue. The question is when he'll be able to get back to shortstop. 
Um, they the the, uh, the Boston Red Sox don't have a true designated hitter besides J.D. Martinez, so he, he can play the outfield a little bit. So Xander Bogarts may not lose that many at-bats if they put him at DH to start the season for the first week or two. Yeah, if the reason that I've been buying him is because people are scared of his injury, sounds to me that you think that uh, we're just getting a nice little discount and might make him even more worth it, right? Yes, 100%. His MRI was negative. There's really nothing going on there, according to the MRI. So I'm not overly concerned with his injury in spring training. Okay, let's talk about JT Real Muto, top catcher. Um, of course, in, in, in a 30-catcher league, Real Muto is a little bit of a profile risk because if you uh, if he gets injured for a duration of time and you have him, I mean you're you're talking you're talking going from the top catcher to uh, scrub on the waiver wire. That's a huge value loss. But of course, if he stays healthy, you know he's going to be a lot better than that thirtieth catcher. Um, I don't think I've seen on the on the uh, the draft uh, um, uh, in drafts right now. I don't really see him getting much of a discount for the injury. Um, have you seen any di- discount? I mean, he's still going fourth round pretty much. Yeah, he's still going pretty early, and that's 100% normal because Phillies manager Joe Girardi actually said last week that he's been cleared to resume all baseball activities, and he was able to, and Girardi noted actually this week that he was able to throw four, have 40 throws during a workout without any injury or any incident or anything like that. So he should be good to go for opening day, and he's going to get his normal days off, which will only, only, only help him in the long run. And no lingering effects like the first month he'll be a little bit down. None of that, you think? I don't. I don't think so. I think it's just a matter of him getting his timing set because, again, he hasn't really faced any live pitching yet, and we're only two and a half weeks until the season starts. Okay, talk about Trent Grisham. Um, usually, I I find, and I'm sure you do too, that you usually have to reach a little bit to pay for steals somewhere high up in a draft. Uh, Trent Grisham is going fifth, sixth round. And according to my prices, he's actually undervalued. And for steals, to me, that's a huge, huge spot to, to get a, a stolen base guy. I mean, we have been projected for almost 20 stolen bases without reaching for him all that much. Um, what is his injury, and uh, is this going to hamper his value for this year? Well, he was diagnosed with a grade 1 hamstring strain. He suffered it while running out of ground ball. Um, the Padres are hopeful that he'll only miss a week, but these hamstring issues, they can linger and they can reoccur during the course of the season. So that's something to watch for, especially if you're getting him for those stolen bases. You may be a little weary about it at this point. You may not get the full, again, it, it may if they let him rest, it shouldn't be that much of an issue, but they may try to push him. And if they try to push him before he's ready, or he says he's ready, he's not, not really ready, then he may be out for an extended period of time later in the season. All right, so the twenty, the nineteen stolen bases that ATC is projecting, is this something that we really shouldn't buy to? Should we project more like fifteen? Is that is that a should we buy to more than fifteen? Yes, I was going to say fifteen. Don't okay. don't guarantee that nineteen twenty range at this point. Uh, listen, if he if they give him their proper rest and he's able to go in a couple of weeks, then he should get there because the Padres have plenty of options out there in the outfield. So you know they can just stick jerks and profile out there, and he can get you some stolen bases. So if you're looking for a guy later in the draft, he's a guy to target if you have Trent Grisham. That way you're sort of getting like the handcuff on it. Right. Okay. Uh, Reese Hoskins. I know we had Stefania Bell saying that his 
Tommy John surgery, and you'll have to help me here, was with an arm sling? What, what, can you talk about that? Internal internal brace repair, which internal is a brace. modified Tommy. Yes, it's a modified Tommy John procedure. It was done back in October. And at first, I was a little bit nervous that he wasn't going to be ready for spring training. And it seems like he's playing, and it seems like he has no problems. Um, he does have the option of playing first base, because that's where he plays. And that can also give him a lot of extra at-bats and rest that elbow at the same time. And the swing does not seem to be affecting his arm. Um, you, you, we saw that in the past when Shirley Otani had the elbow issue. He was able to play before he had Tommy John surgery. He DH'd and he had no problem. So at this point, I think Reese Hoskins is good to go. And if you can get him in a bargain, now's the time to get him in a bargain. And he is going for a bargain. He's going. I, there's a nice hot spot with uh, Hoskins close to like Eric Hosmer, uh, Josh Bell, Max Muncy, Miguel Sano. Some good first baseman with power. Um, maybe not Hosmer in that category, but you know they're all roughly the same value. They're all at a slight discount, um, and they're all first basemen. And I think Hoskins fits right in there. Right? You you wouldn't be afraid to take him at just the same price as everyone else. No, I, I think this is, this is the perfect buy here. Um, I'm really high on Hoskins. I think he's going to do well. I think the elbow issue may have been bothering him last year a bit as well, even before they actually announced it. So that may have affected his stats a little bit last year. But I, I this is a guy I'm 100% buying, and I probably want to get because some of the top first basemen are going too expensive. You can get a cheaper first baseman later on. Yeah, he only had 150 at-bats last year, which was a pace of just about 400. And in that 400 pace, he had 27 homers. We're projecting him for 30 homers this year. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that uh, this is interesting here, and um, I can see over 30. I, I think 30 is, is a good expectation, and if you're buying to 30, then you're buying him at a bargain. So I like it. Uh, Nick Madrigal, uh, here's somebody that I, I somehow have no interest in getting. Um, he, he's a guy who has uh, – I mean, he's a batting average king. His contact rate is, is unbelievable. Uh, he's going to get on any way he can, and he will steal some. Maybe he'll steal 15 bases. Um, to me, if you happen to need that stat and he's around, he's a stopgap, he's late, I think people are reaching a little bit for him, and you get pretty much no power, no RBIs out of him. They're paying a little bit too much. Uh, what is his injury status, and uh, are you interested at all in Madrigal this year? Well, Madrigal had left shoulder surgery in October of last year, and he continues to feel residual soreness and hasn't played in the game since last week when he made his spring debut. I'm a little bit nervous about him. Um, he's not known for his power. Like you said, he's known for his batting average, which, you know, it, that's not the worst thing in the world for a shoulder injury. But I'm compare, I think I compare him a little bit to Gregory Polanco a couple of years ago when he had shoulder surgery, and then he had residual soreness for an extended period of time as well. Granted, it wasn't the exact same procedure, but shoulder soreness, if you push it too soon, too quickly, um, it's not a good thing, and you're going to have major issues in the long run. So I think he may, the, the, uh, this is another case where there's a lot of people who are ahead of him, and he may not be pushed ahead so quickly just because of that injury. All right, so I think you're you're generally staying away from him if I read you correctly. Yes, I'm. St I'm not. I'm not buying him okay. even at his, at his price now. I'm not buying him. No. What What was the injury last year to him? Um, he ended up needing shoulder surgery. He had a. I believe okay. he had a tear in his shoulder, so I believe he needed shoulder surgery for that reason. Oh, okay, okay. All right. So this is just uh, the continuation of that. This is a continuation. He had surgery October okay. of last year, so it's about eight months, uh, five months since the surgery. So, okay, uh, Brandon Belt. He typically can't stay healthy. He had 526 at bats in 2019, 
But uh, other than that, really had trouble just staying healthy. He's had some really good two-month stretches, Brandon Belt. And every time you think he gets going, he gets injured. Uh, this year, I can see him losing some playing time to Buster Posey. Uh, what, what, what are the Giants doing with Brandon Belt this year, and, and what's his status? Well, Brandon Belt is a little bit behind everyone else in preparing for this year already. He had bone spurs removed from his right heel mid-October. He had COVID-19 in January, and he had mononucleosis in February. So he is still behind everybody in preparing. Um, he was, he has been noted and seen on the field already doing some, you know, doing typical baseball activities, quote unquote. But there's a very good chance that he may not be 100% ready for opening day. And the, and the Giants actually have a bunch of options they can put there. They have Wilmer Flores, who, if you want someone really cheap, you can get him cheap. Darren Ruff, who's not even being drafted, you can get him also really cheap. And another guy who was actually pretty decent last year, and that's Austin Slater, who can actually see some, some, some of bats there as well. Even when he comes back, is this a platoon situation for Belt, do you think? I think, yes. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a platoon situation, and I think Brandon Belt and Wilmer Flores complement each other very well in that sense. Yeah, Flores very good against lefties. Um, yeah, I guess we can see this happen. Strong side platoon for Belt, but uh, nevertheless, uh, he probably won't get, would you say he would get more than 400 at-bats at this pace? Uh, it's poss- It's possible, but if I was a betting man, I would say no just because of his injury history. All right, and ATC has him projected for 460 at the moment, uh, so I guess you're taking the under on that one. I'll take the under. Okay. Uh, G-Mon Choi, uh, what do you have for him? Well, Rays manager Kevin Cash said that Choi will be shut down for 7 to 10 days. This happened about a couple days ago, and this is being taped on March 15th, for right knee soreness. Cash reiterated that he's not overly concerned about the injury. There's no word of whether an MRI was done yet, but this is a little bit concerning to being shut down with 10 day, for 10 days when the season starts in about 25 days. So it's a little bit nerve-wracking for this to happen, so I, you know, I'm not really buying him this year. Okay, but I mean, the Rays, uh, you know, they do crazy things here, and Jimon Choi was going to be a classic Rays platoon player. Um, they, they have a lot of guys to put in. I don't think they need him, so maybe they are just being extra precautious and having him available 100% when he comes back. I, I, I'm just asking you whether you think that the Rays are being extra extra cautious here, and, and he's probably going to be fine sooner than later. Well, they can be because they have so many other options. They have options like Yandy Diaz and other players who tend to get injured as well. So, you know, they can really t- uh, err on the side of caution here. Um, if his knee continues to act up, they'll probably get an MRI. And if something shows there, if surgery is required, you know, they'll they'll do whatever they have to. But I think they are being very cautious with him. And they also told him, by the way, no switch hitting this year. He actually tried to, to bat the others from the opposite side, and that didn't really work out. I love that. Um, with with Jimon Choi, though, his uh, per-at-bat statistics are fantastic. I'm projecting him for 367 at-bats, 15 homers. So that's, that's a nice player for when he plays. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's not somebody that you're going to pick up, but he's somebody to really be aware of on the waiver wire a little bit later, I think. I, I wouldn't sleep on him, uh, especially if you can see, uh, you know, if you're in a league, then you're, you're churning some of the offensive roster and they're going to come in and face a bunch of right, right, right handers in a row, you know, might be a guy to, to throw in there for a weekend. Um, a- Adam Hazley, what's his story? 
Adam Hazley was slated to be the center fielder for the Phillies. He was diagnosed with a left adductor strain, which is like a groin strain, which will sideline him for at least three to four weeks. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because that opens up a spot for Odubel Herrera. Odubel Herrera used to have some fantasy value in the past, and he's having a pretty good spring right now. He's batting 261 on the spring with two homers and a stolen base. So he's a guy that if you want a, a waiver guy early in the season to take a, to take a gamble on, that's the guy to take a gamble on. Wow, I remember that name from a couple of years ago in fantasy baseball. And where did he go since? Uh, well, he was suspended, I believe. They kicked him off the team for a while, and he didn't he didn't play all of last year. Oh, there you go. So yeah, he he's he had um, a whole bunch of lawsuits against him. So whatever. Um, he, his personal stuff aside, he can still play baseball. Interesting. I, I totally completely forgot about him. Like he fell off the map in my book. Uh, but interesting that you mentioned that point that uh, uh, for deeper leagues, uh, mono mono uh, NL leagues might be interesting to pick him up early. Especially if you have Avery, I would say. Uh, Lorenzo Kane, he's a guy who didn't play all of last year. I mean, 35 years old. Uh, ATC has a 10 12 projection with 269 average. Pretty much projects to be a fifth outfielder with, you know, a little bit of hint of power speed. Uh, nobody's thinking he's going to be anything where he, where he was a couple years ago. Uh, but uh, what's going on with him? Well, it goes to show how much confidence the Brewers have in him by signing Jackie Bradley Jr. to play center field. Um, <laughs> Kane, was he's being right now, he's brought along very slowly this spring because of a quad issue that the, that the Brewers have described as very minor. It was so minor that they signed Jackie Bradley while he was dealing with it. He's actually scheduled, though, to make his spring debut later this week. So we'll see what he has left, but I think it may come down to a platoon because I think having them as a, as a platoon or have even Kane play a corner outfield spot in with someone like Abisal Garcia taking off every couple of days that may make their defense a little bit better interesting yeah I I have not had any notion of picking up Kane anywhere um although ATC shows him as somewhat of a decent player 486 at bats uh you know a hint of this and that batting average which actually helps you later on in the drafts um but I for some reason I have not I have not needed to pick up that profile late in drafts uh, are, are you any interested in him no, because there's so many other middle infielders around that time who have the same type of profile, so I don't think you okay. need it in the outfield. Okay. Cole Calhoun, somebody who I was high on coming into the year, fantastic last year. Um, he was going to be a large bargain, according to ATC, if fully healthy. ATC now has uh, pushed his at-bats down to 445 at-bats. Um, this is somebody that, uh, and you'll give us the injury update in a second, but you know, if you have an IL slot, He's definitely somebody that's worth buying. You put him in the IL slot, and, and there you go, and you got a, a productive player going on. Uh, if you have an NFBC team or a, t a league that does not have any IL slots, um, is this a player who is still worth drafting on the bench for you? 100%, and I actually have him. We actually have him in a couple of leagues already. He had actually um, a partial medial meniscectomy surgery for his right knee, which means they took out part of the medial meniscus for his right knee the first week in March. He was expected to miss four to six weeks following that, which means that he should be back sometime mid-April, which means he'll only miss maybe two to three weeks of the entire season. But during that time, players who can fill in, Pavin Smith, Tim LaCastro, and Dalton Varsho may benefit the most, which is why you're seeing him go earlier in drafts because he has catcher eligibility. So he can play outfield, and he may benefit from Cole Calhoun not being there for the first couple weeks of the season. 
Yeah, I have Dalton Varsho in a couple of leagues as my catcher, which is if you have a catcher who's going to not play catcher and play the outfield, he's just getting a lot of at-bats. Even the really good catchers sometimes only get, you know, 60% of a share of the total. Uh, so Varsho is interesting. Um, yeah, I think I think the discount that the market is showing for Cole Calhoun uh, does, not warrant, uh, does not warrant his drop in, in value for himself. Um, it, it, I mean, it's... It, it, I guess people hear knee injury and and knee surgery and they really get scared. Is is that what's going on here? I yeah, I think when you hear surgery and this early in the season, people get scared. Uh, the same thing happened a couple of years ago when J D Martinez in spring training had a foot injury, and we took we actually took advantage of that because people were buying him very very low, and we decided you know what that's this is a buying opportunity. You can get profit there, so that's why we went after him. So when people hear surgery, they get really scared, but people come back from knee surgeries. Players come back from knee surgeries pretty quick, four to six weeks usually, and usually they don't miss much. It, it shouldn't affect his power too much because he's going to come back when he's ready. Interesting. Okay, good to know here. Uh, Evan Longoria. Longoria is somebody who has zero upside, zero downside. Like this guy is going to hit, you know, 15, 12, 16, something like, like that. Homer's average will be, yeah. I mean, uh, we're talking about a guy who – you know what you're getting. He's not somebody I would draft that late, but if your team is injured and he's on the waiver wire, sure, I guess, you know, fill in for the time being. Uh, what's Longoria's status as if? Well, Longoria is dealing with plantar fasciitis again. He had the same issue back in July uh, 2019, and it kept him out for about a month. He is playing right now in the spring. He's only DHing, which he's not playing third yet. So that's another situation where you can see some of those guys in San Francisco, like a Wilmer Flores, gaining more time at third base just because Longoria is not, he's, he's getting older, he's having these issues, and plus plantar fasciitis is an issue that can linger for months. It was so bad for Luke Voigt last year, they ended up needing surgery at the end of the year to help it, and it, it zapped all his power. So he's, Evan Longoria is a guy, even if you see him on your waiver wire, I think I'd probably take the backup to Evan Longoria as opposed to picking him up. Very interesting. Okay, so stay away from Longoria. Uh and uh, pick up the backup. Good advice. Miguel Andahar for the Yankees. I, I didn't have him as playing much much uh, uh, before this, and now he's got an injury. So tell us about that. Well, Yankees manager Aaron Boone said that Andahar visited a specialist this week after experiencing wrist and hand soreness. He was previously experiencing the same issues while playing in the Dominican Winter League, and they said that he does have some issues. They weren't really that specific. They have some issues with the muscle and the nerve in his wrist and hand. So if you were taking him as a, as a flyer, I think he's going to start the season. I'm almost certain he'll start the season on the IL. So he's a guy that if you have room and you're hoping for some another Yankee to get hurt, that's great, but he's going to start the season on the IL. All right, but let's say he gets healthy and everybody else stays healthy. Who is he unseating uh, for for playing time here? I think if anything, he will get traded. I think they're going to Yankees will try to make him, you know, build up his value a little bit and then trade him just because they don't have any room and he still has some value because of how young he is. Yeah, I don't see any purpose of really drafting him. Uh, I'm going to, I guess, in a very deep league if there's an IL, sure, uh, but. Uh, I don't see much, much value. How about Brendan Rodgers? Rockies don't really handle prospects all that well. We know that the Yanke the Rockies now have a couple slots open with Arenado traded, with Daniel Murphy retiring. Uh, what, what's Rodgers' injury status and fantasy outlook? 
Well, over the weekend, Rodgers was trying to steal a base, and he he was diagnosed. He injured his hamstring, and he was diagnosed with a right hamstring strain. He was told that we were told now that he will rest at this point. It's not considered to be quote unquote too serious, but again, hamstrings are a very dangerous thing because they can linger. They can be re-aggravated very easily. And right now, according to roster resources, there's a guy who's going to be playing in his position or taking his spot right now, and that's Ryan McMahon. You can see maybe a possible increase in the at-bats for Ryan McMahon. Okay. Jared Kalanick, what, what is his injury status? Well, he was diagnosed with a grade 2 adductor muscle strain. Again, that's a, gr- a groin strain. Everyone's saying knee, but when someone has groin pain, it can sometimes radiate to, uh, toward the knee in the, in, the, in the front part of the thigh. He has participated in batting practice over, over this past weekend, and he's scheduled to try to get in-game later this week. So hopefully it's not that bad, but usually a grade 2 strain takes a little bit longer to recover. So I'm a little bit concerned that maybe they're bringing him back a little bit too soon, and we'll see about that. Interesting. Uh, he, he, I mean, Kalanick is somebody whose ADP is keep rising. His stock keeps rising. Uh, it, the word before this was that he was going to be brought up uh, um, in, this year. Uh, other than batting average, I mean, we're talking about a guy who I think would hit the ground running. We're talking about a nice power-speed blend. Um, we'll get RBIs, score runs. Depends on where he bats in the lineup, of course. Uh, but definitely a worthwhile investment. If you're in a keeper dynasty league, uh, I mean, you have to be all over this guy by now. I probably don't have to tell you that by now. Uh, we, we just, Ruben and I, we just did a keeper league uh, this past uh, Saturday night, and we, we picked up Kellenick in, in that one at a nice, decent price. Um, I mean, is this injury going to hamper him this year? Uh, you talk about him playing through it, that they're going to bring, they're really going to bring him up through an injury? No, I, I think they're going to treat him with kick gloves. I think they're going to use this as a possible excuse to keep him down a little bit longer than they have to. Um, but I agree with you. I think he is going to hit the ground running. I think he is going to be possibly my, he's my choice of being rookie of the year in the American League because he will be up sometime this year. Um, I think he will be up, though, when he is fully healthy. All right. Talk about starting pitchers now. Uh, the trio, Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino, um, we talked about it uh, a week or so ago with Stefania Bell, but what is the uh, update for the trio, and uh, what what are we doing with them in fantasy? Okay, well, let's start with Chris Sale. Chris Sale had Tommy John surgery last year. It's about a year since he had it. He is throwing from flat ground 90 feet. Red Sox Chief Baseball Officer Chaim Bloom has said that Sale continues to make progress and could be fully stretched out by middle of next year, which is this year. So I think he will be ready, but I think they're going to treat him Carefully, I think he may be back more towards. We, I mean, we discussed this before. I think he'll, he'll probably be up sometime after the All Star break. I don't think you're gonna get much value before then. Noah Syndergaard, he had Tommy John surgery around the exact same time, and he's on schedule. Except you see Noah Syndergaard pitching a lot more from the mound than you do Chris Sale, which means that Syndergaard is a little bit ahead of Chris Sale in his rehab, um, which means that you'll probably get more out of him, and he'll probably be around closer to. June, maybe beginning of July, right before the All-Star break, something like that. And Luis Severino, his rehab is going well. It's been said that he will return sometime June or July. He did have Tommy John surgery before Noah Syndergaard and Chris Sale. He had it in February of last year. He did throw his first bullpen session early this week. It was a 20-pitch session, and there were no issues with it. So he should be on track. He may actually be a little bit ahead of Chris Sale. So coming back in order, I will probably be Syndergaard, Severino, Sale. So... Chris Sale is being projected by ATC for a 3.7 ERA and 1.1 whip. 
Um, I mean, that's uh, the ERA probably a little bit higher than he's used to. He's used to sub three numbers. Whip, he's used to sub one, but one point one is is incredible. Is, is this something that I, we know Chris Sale is a fantastic pitcher? Can he right away, right off the docket, produce these kinds of great numbers? Does that make any sense to you? Not with his herky jerky movement of his arm. I don't think so. People were nervous about him having to, needing Tommy John surgery earlier in his career. So I don't think that it's it's going to happen right away. If anything, you may see it toward the end of September. You know, get back to the regular Chris Sale. But at that point, your fantasy season may be gone. So you may be just holding an empty roster spot at that point. Yeah, I, I kind of think that these numbers for Sale, um, ATC, or just you know any other projection system is. Highly inflated. I mean, I have some projection systems that have them for a three-two-six ERA. I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, I, I and plus the innings. I mean, uh, he's not getting anywhere near eighty innings this year. Uh, I, I well, I the Reds, the Reds, the Red Sox starters aren't that great either. So they true, may just true. bring him in and and have him come back and pitch instead of doing a rehab in the minors because you don't know what the minor league system is going to do this year. They may have him just come back and pitch one or two innings as a quote unquote rehab that way. So you never know. This is going to be a strange year. Yeah, but but you're not starting him in your fantasy lineup if he's doing no. one inning of rehab. So I no. I just don't see the, the value. Like if if he's available in the NFBC with which is no IL, and you have the absolute last pick of the snake draft, are you rostering Chris Sale? I'm not. No, I, no, maybe maybe if you're in a keeper league for next year, but not for this year. Or IL. I mean, if you have an IL slot, sure, you know, put him in, take him last, and put him in your IL. There's no harm there. But if if I don't even think he's worth the, the, the roster spot at all in, in that. Um, Severino um, is next. And I, I to me, Noah Syndergaard is the only one who seems more intriguing. I think the way he throws uh, less herky-jerky than Sale, he can get more up to speed. Uh, will he be as good as projections say? Probably not. But he's probably still going to be a very fantasy-relevant pitcher. And the Mets could be going for it this year. You never know. I think the second half of the year might be interesting. Probably not worth the price he's going for right now, but definitely above replacement in many leagues. No, 100%. 100%, But the issue with both Severino and Syndergaard is that they had abdominal issues. They had core muscle issues like an oblique and stuff like that earlier in their career. So they have a history of this type of injury before. Sale never had any issue. He, He may have had a little bit neck here, a little bit of low back there, but... Syndergaard and Severino, it's a matter of how fast they start pushing themselves and whether or not they push themselves too fast, too quickly. Carlos Carrasco, uh, we know there's an elbow issue. Why don't you give us uh, first the the word of what's going on with him? All right, well, well, Carrasco, he was experiencing elbow soreness. He has thrown, actually a couple days ago, he threw from 75 feet and he's scheduled to throw from 90 to 120 feet later this week. Opening day is still in question. I think the Mets are going to also bring him along a little bit slowly because he is he was a very big part of that trade, even though people you know say the Lindor, 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 but Carrasco was a very big part of that trade. So I think actually for the first month of the season, they'll treat him with kick gloves. They'll make sure that 100% is good when he's going because he happens to be one of the older pitchers on the staff. And you can see Joey Lucchese fill in a little bit. So if you want someone to start for the first couple weeks, especially maybe even the second week of the season, because if you think about it, the first week of the season is four games for most uh, for most formats. Second week of the season, you're going to have two-star pitchers being the fourth and fifth starter. Joey Lucchese fits that. 
If you're going to tell me that Carrasco's going to miss two starts to start the year, uh, but he'll be okay, uh, I, I think that the discount you're getting right now uh, from his injury, people are afraid. Elbow, oh, my God, <sighs> go away. I think that um, he's probably going to be worth this this uh, discount here. Uh, are you at all concerned that this is just a blow? Uh, could be a complete landmine where it's this is just a precursor to something more serious? The reason, no, and the reason why I'm saying that is because he started experiencing, he started having the elbow soreness, and then like three or four days later, he was ready throwing from 75 feet. So I'm not really concerned okay. about that. All right, so I think it's it could be a possible profit uh, mining for profit here. Yes. Uh, uh, for Carrasco, and, and you could be getting a nice 1A type pitcher for a, a number two price, that kind of thing. You know? Yes, 100%, right, 100%. Right. Mike Soroka, what's his timetable here? Well, Soroka tore his Achilles. He happened to be pitching against the Mets at City Field at the time, early August 2020. So far this spring, he has thrown two simulated games, but no real game action yet. So he hasn't actually faced batters in a game situation besides the sim games, which means that he probably may not be ready for opening day, which is what I have been saying all along. They, I mean, the Braves said that they, he possibly will be. I think he'll be back maybe two to three weeks into the season. In the meantime, Kyle Wright, who's been actually pitching quite well in spring training, may fill that role for a bit until Soroka's ready. So so tell me what happens after uh, you have an Achilles injury for, for a pitcher. Obviously, elbow injury, shoulder injury, these are arm issues. These are bigger bigger deals. Uh, obviously, you know, you're you going off of your foot. That's uh, no small thing. But is this something that pitchers pretty much, as soon as they're ready, go right back to, to full impact? Well, they have to build the, the, the strength in both lower extremities and their legs before they go back. Otherwise, they're going to have issues. I think it was, I think um, either, I think Adam Wainwright had this issue also where he tore his Achilles and he came back and he didn't have any issues. It's a matter of building up the lower body strength. And if he's able to do that, there should be no residual effects. Okay, so he's projected, uh, we're talking about uh, Mike Soroka, he's projected for 136 innings, according to ATC. Um, is, is, are you going to go over or under on that number? I'm going to say just under. I'll say maybe between 120 okay. and 125. Okay. I mean, but but once I mean, if he only misses a month, it's going to be more than 130 innings. Um, uh, he's. I don't think he's going to miss more than a month. I, I think he'll be back sometime either the end of April or beginning of May. All right, because I, I think it might be over if that's the case. And at his price, he's projected for you know decent value. This is a, a guy who. Who uh, in 2019, 268 ERA, 111 whip, 175 innings pitched. Um, you know, pretty much in the ace of the Braves. But, but the Braves, the Braves have a lot of good arms there, so they can actually wait with him, and they're very they're loaded, so they don't necessarily have to rush him back that quickly. Okay, interesting. Uh, of course, it depends on your league. If you're if you have an IL slot, then it's probably going to be worth more because you can put somebody in. Doesn't take up a spot. Uh, you have to roster him if there's no IL, and then you're taking a spot up. Uh, James Paxton, somebody who has you know, top twenty five ability pitchers, but he just doesn't seem to be able to to stay healthy. Uh, we're projecting him for 125 innings, and he's a small bargain at that. So what is his injury price, and do he, does he beat 125 innings this year? Well, Paxton was dealing last year with an elbow forearm issue, but his UCL, meaning the ligament that usually is injured when you need Tommy John surgery, was intact. He has also thrown two simulated games with it without issue, just like Soroka. So he could possibly be in the same timeline as Soroka, just with different types of injuries. So you may also get some pretty good value from Paxton late. 
yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm coming across his name a lot in uh, my drafts, and I think I have one share or so of him. Uh, just just somebody who has upside, and the price is right. I mean, you don't have to pay a tenth round value for him. You, he's going in the sixteenth round of fifteen team drafts. Uh, I think it's a good gamble, good dart to throw at Paxton this year. Uh, Miles yeah. Michaelis, yeah, good, I'm, I'm glad you agree. Uh, Miles Michaelis, uh, I mean, he had that amazing year a couple years ago where he had a 107 whip, 287 ERA, not a lot of strikeouts. So uh, unle- unless he can get back to those ratios, he's really not worth having, in, in especially in shallow mixed leagues. Um, he's just a waiver wire play based on matchups. But, uh, you know, can he get back to this skills level? And he's not 100% right now. What's his story? Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous about owning Mike Miles Michaelis right now because he had surgery on his right flexor tendon late July 2020. He is now again being shut down from throwing for 7 to 10 days after undergoing an MRI. The MRI results weren't privy to me or to anybody at this point, but if they're shutting him down, that usually means there's some inflammation in the area where he had the surgery, so they're probably backing him off a little bit. But if that's happening now, that means he may be pushing it too quickly and he may have an issue during the course of the season. So he's someone that I probably wouldn't draft and someone I'd probably stay away from at this point. Yeah, I agree. Nate Pearson of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, if if they will play in Toronto this year, uh, he, you know, he, he's a guy who has electric stuff and he reminds me of, of Dustin May. I feel like he should have more strikeouts for the stuff he has. Uh, I don't know why it's that way. Um, now, we have him projected here at 120 innings, and that's a nice little decent value. Is, are the Jays going to be able to push him more than 120 innings? Maybe they'll be in a playoff run. Uh, well, he's gonna, probably going to start the year on the IL, so why don't you give us uh, the injury recap for him, and will he beat 120 innings? Okay, well, Pearson was diagnosed with a grade one right groin strain. He has already been ruled out for opening day, but he did feel good after a recent throw. uh, He threw a bullpen session. He felt okay. So that's a positive sign. But if they've already been ruled out for opening day, that means he's going to start the season on the I.L., that doesn't mean he's not going to hit the 120 innings. He's still young, and if he's still if he's able to bounce back from this pretty quickly, it shouldn't be an issue. He's one of the younger pitchers on their staff. But guys to look out for right now because he's starting the season on the IL. Steven Matz, he can he can fill in. Ross Stripling can fill in right now. So there are some decent, not great options, but there are decent options filling in right now for Pearson. Yeah, I think it's a good upside dart. Again, he's going cheap, uh, cheaper than Paxton's going in drafts and. He's got the stuff. Uh, again, if, especially if you have an IL slot, I think Pearson is a nice dart to throw. Do you agree? I, I totally agree, especially if you have an IL spot. He is someone to hold on to. Even in an NFPC format, I probably hold on to him because he probably will has, has a good chance of coming back without missing too much time. Yeah, especially if there's some keeper value or dynasty value. Obviously, it's something else. Uh, TJ Antone, uh, he's gaining helium all throughout this offseason. Question is, what will his role be on the team? Is he a multi-inning guy? Is he a starter? Is he a possible closer? What is going on with him? Well, he left Sunday's game with a mild right groin strain. At first, they thought he was going to be out for a little bit, but now he's already expected to make his next start when he when it comes up. I think it's on on Saturday. He was a candidate to be a closer. This may affect that. They may not try to push him too quickly because they don't want him to get any worse, and this may cost him the job of closer to start the season. That's not to say he's not going to end up as a closer, but this should lower his ADP just a bit. Yeah, to me, I think he's more of the high-leverage guy coming anywhere. 
Um, I, I don't think they're going to want to put him in the closer role. So uh, I, I don't know what to do with him. I'm not drafting him. Uh, he's got great stuff, but I just don't know where, where they're going to put him is, is my problem here. Um, let's go to another guy, Framber Valdez. Uh, he's somebody that uh, I mean, he got hurt, and I, I did not have him as high as the market. So I was hoping the market would just keep grabbing him, grabbing him at being overvalued. But, of course, he's unfortunately uh, he's injured right now. Uh, what are you doing with him? Is he somebody that you know you're just just staying completely away from uh, taking a shot in your last pick of your draft? We saw at TGFBI uh, people just scramble and just pick up whatever they could at, at the very very end. Only uh, some TGFBI leagues that we played already picked him, so those guys had obviously uh, have an issue. Uh, but what, what do we do? What's his issue, and, and what are we doing with, Val- with Valdez? Well, he has a fractured left ring finger from a comeback from early this spring. The Astros have still not offered any update on the timetable for his return. He's gotten a couple of opinions what to do. Um, we don't know what's going on short term. We don't know what's going on long term. He's a guy that I would just stay away from because the first reports was that he was going to miss for the entire season. If you hear that right away and he's going for second opinions... Yes, it's possible you can get something out of him, but it's also his ring finger. How much is that going to affect his pitching? So I wouldn't even take a waiver wire, uh, a waiver wire slide on him. I wouldn't take a, a dart even at the end of the draft. I'd rather try to get something someone else at that point. As far as fingers go, I mean, is the ring finger one of the worst ones to get hit if you're pitching? Probably because that that affects change ups. That affects not much the curve, but the change up. It'll affect the slider a bit how much spin they get on it, and, the, and so I would really, really be nervous about it. And even the fastball, if, 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 if he's throwing 80, if he's throwing 90, 95 miles an hour, it's coming off that ring finger, and he's having pain in that finger, and he doesn't let it heal properly, or it's not healing properly, then he can have a chronic issue, and this can be another Aaron Sanchez issue, which Aaron Sanchez had finger problems for a couple years with the Blue Jays, and he just never got on track. How about Forrest Whitley? Um, he's a guy that I know you personally were very high on uh, skills-wise, but again, he might be going under the knife, and it's very possible he may never pitch again. What's your take on Whitley? Yeah, I was actually going to be high on Forrest Whitley that Framber Valdez got hurt, but then Whitley through a simulated game came up sore, and he's opted for Tommy John, and he will miss the entire 2021 season, which means I have no interest in him whatsoever, not even in a keeper league at this point, because we've been talking about players coming off of Tommy John surgery. When they come off of Tommy John surgery, even a year out, that's not a guarantee they're going to be back, and it's not a guarantee they're going to be back at where they are. And Forrest Whitley hasn't even cracked the majors at this point, so he's a guy I'd probably stay away from. Yeah, that, that's uh, uh, that's a shame there. Uh, let's talk about a couple of relief pitchers. Jordan Hicks. Um, uh, we mentioned that 22 pitch at bat at the uh, the outset of this show. Uh, that was Jordan Hicks pitching, and I got to tell you, looking at him, he looked pretty fluid. He was consistently hitting his regular hundred mile an hours uh, miles an hour. Uh, look pretty fluid. Um, question, is he the closer? I, I think he is. Uh, I think he's going to be the guy. I think the, the Cardinals want him to be. Um, what's what's the uh, injury update status of Jordan Hicks? Well, that 22 at pitch at bat, that was his spring debut. That's why they didn't let him go much past that. Um, he was hitting 100 on the radar, radar gun. He was hitting 100 in, his, in, in the practice. He has been doing everything that they want him to do. I think the Cardinals are just going to bring him on, along a little bit slowly. He may not close in April, but he may be closing by May, June, and, and for us to the season. So until then, if you want to try to get some saves early on, there are so many different choices in that Cardinal bullpen that 
any one of them could be closer. But I think Giovanni Gallegos is probably the best chance to pick up the saves just for the first month. You know, I'm going to disagree there. I think that he's going to be the closer from day one, but what they won't do is they won't have him pitch uh, on back-to-back days or maybe not even, you know, one day in between. Maybe it's every third day at the most. So I would think that he would actually get the lion's share of the saves even from the get-go. Maybe Gallegos pick up, picks up the you know the ones in between. But I think they're just going to let him start. And he's not starting this, the, the, the year in the, on the IL. So no. if that's the case, why wouldn't you want to pitch him in the ninth? That's true, but you may want to just ease him back in because, remember, he didn't pitch at all in the 2020 season. He hasn't pitched in 2019. So you may want to start him in the eighth inning for, for the first couple of weeks just to get him back on his feet like every other closer gets hurt and then see how things go. So that makes that makes a, a pitcher like Giovanni Gallegos, who has value regardless whether he gets saves or not. But now that if he gets some saves in between and Jordan Hicks doesn't pitch every every day and he has to pitch, pitch every other day or every two or three days, that gives Giovanni Gallegos even more value. So he's a guy who you can look to in the draft. Yeah, I'm going to disagree there. I think I think Hicks is going to get more of the shares. And not to say that Gallegos, and I think you're right, Gallegos has value, but he does cost some money in drafts this year. He's not free at the end of the draft. You do have to either spend a regular spot or he's a high-up bench spot on him. So uh, I like middle relievers on my team, but where they're absolutely free at the last pick or the waiver wire for nothing the first week. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of picking up Gallegos on my teams. I, I think you have him on, on uh, TGFBI, I think. Yes, I do. I picked up because I think he's going to be the closer to start, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, Kirby Yates, uh, is he safe as the closer? Should we roster a handcuff? What What's his injury status upon his return? I believe he is safe. Kirby Yates had elbow surgery August 2020 for bone chips. Um, he completed his rehab process, and he had made his spring debut last week. Uh, he has had no setbacks, and there's no reason why he can't be closer for the Blue Jays from day one. All right. Trevor Rosenthal. What's his status? He's dealing with a minor groin strain. He threw how, a successful how many bullpen. Groin stra- by the way, how many groin strains have, have there been the last, the it, last during week? Spring training, during spring training, everyone is coming up with all these muscle injuries and, 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 and little, things, little, little things going on. Not really fractures, not really things needing surgery. But yeah. this is exactly what Stefania Bell said in our previous episode, that a lot of these players are going to have these muscular issues. They're going to have these, uh, these, these strains for ligaments and tendons just because... Of, of not having a full season last year and the whole season starting and the stopping last year. So a lot of players are dealing with this. He should be good for the start of the season. However, if he's not ready, Jake Diekman could fill in his closer to start the season. Is it worth handcuffing uh, Diekman, you think, for Rosenthal here? How serious is the groin is what I'm asking. Um, they, they're saying it's minor, and they're saying he should be good to start the season, but everyone's saying that at this point, so it's really hard to tell. You need to make sure that oh, for all these pitchers and all these relievers to see if they're getting in-game action at least two weeks to, before the season starts. If they're not in okay. in-game action with two weeks before the season starts, then they're behind, and they're not going to be ready for opening day. Okay, so the advice I think you're giving is that if you see Rosenthal get into game action two weeks before the season, you're probably okay with not rostering Diekman. Otherwise, grab him right away. Correct. Correct. Okay. Hunter Harvey of Baltimore. Um, yeah, is it even worth going at all for any Baltimore bullpen guys this year? 
Um, well, I think not because they, I think they have a 0% chance of making the playoffs. That's what every projection is showing right now, which means they're not going to win a lot of games. Um, I, th- I like their offense a lot better than their pitching, though, Baltimore. They have a lot of intriguing guys in the offense, especially since they picked up Mikel Franco. I think he's going to slide in right there, and he's going to have a field day out there in, in Baltimore. But with Hunter Harvey, um, Orioles manager Brandon Hyde confirmed that Harvey will be sidelined indefinitely with a left oblique strain. So that means he will not be ready to start opening day, probably. He will not be the starting closer. So you can pick whoever you want. They have Tanner Scott, Sean Armstrong, Cesar Valdez. You, whoever you want, you, you know, I'm sure they're available on the waiver wire if you really want to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, is it worth playing? Is it worth picking up uh, 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 the second guy in Baltimore even for just a little bit? Well, if you have limited closers and you don't have good starters and they're available and you can get them for next to nothing and you know they're going to get the saves, that's fine. But you don't know what's going to happen out there because last year before they traded, um, I think it was Miguel uh, Castro, he was he saved some games. Then Hunter Harvey was supposed to save some games. And they were all over the place. They couldn't really find someone who was actually good. They haven't had really a closer since Zach Britton. I, I mean, how desperate for saves do you have to be to pick up the sec- whatever the, you think your guess is uh, on Baltimore for the first two weeks of the season? Like, how desperate do you have to be? Because the ratios aren't going to be fantastic from whoever you're going to get anyway. No, if anything, if, if you want saves, you just wait till later in the season and you know who the actual closer is going to be. Then you may get some value out of a Baltimore closer, let's say, end of August, beginning of September, when you need yeah. to get saves late. Of course, the fab for, for, for whoever you pick up is going to be zero right now. So, you know, yes. it's, hard, it's hard to beat free. That's another thing. Uh, maybe pick up and don't play if you have the spot. Like, I'm just trying to think about what to do. In a shallow league, I would just forget it. Uh, you have to shallow be in a league, league. Shallow league, I'd rather have a middle reliever. It, right, correct. I think I'd rather have a middle reliever in, in even like a 15-team mix. Uh, if you're in a mono league, obviously, I would think that you should take a shot here. Um, you know, they, they got the Orioles got Mikel Franco, but they let go of Reynado Nunez, almost the same type of player, right? Yeah, it, it, that didn't make any sense whatsoever. I think it just has to do about money there. Yeah, they're going yeah. on the cheap, and that's, that's just about it because they're very similar type players. They are power hitters with low batting average, and that's just about it. A little bit higher up, but it's like the Cubs with Jock Peterson and Kyle Schwarber, where they got rid of one in, in favor for the other. Um, I mean, one is not so much better than the other, right? Yeah, or it's the, or it's the Cubs getting rid of Albert Amora and then signing, uh, what's his name, from the Mets, uh, who was on the Mets last year, the defensive center field. Juan Lagares? No, not Lagares. Yes, um, no, not Lagares. Uh, he's with the Angels. Uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Marisnik, Jake Marisnik. Mar- Jake, yeah, Jake Marisnik. Same, same yeah. idea. They, they're just they're just trading for, because they want to get a lower. They want to pay less. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. All right. Well, this <laughs> this is a great uh, injury recap here, injury update here for everyone who's uh, you know thinking about some of these players. Obviously, we gave the fantasy spin on some of these guys. What to do spin. Uh, and you know, if you have questions for uh, Ruvain and I, uh, more for Ruvain for the injury, please. Uh, Give us a shout-out on Twitter. Ruben, why don't you tell everybody where you could be reached and uh, what you're working on? You can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates daily. I also have a weekly in-season article in Rotoboulder, which another article is actually coming out later this week, discussing these players as well as others, talking about who's injured, how long they're going to be out for, and who's next up. Yep, and you can reach me at ATCNY. On Twitter, I'll have an article up on Rotoballer in the next day or so uh, about 
finding some multi-category offensive players, uh, sort of a 2021 addition to uh, the 2020 uh, baseball article of the year. So I'm excited for that to come out. And you can read the rest of my work over at Fangraphs at Sportsline. ATC projections are up, going to be updated continuously up until opening day. So check them out. They're up on all the sites that I work for. Uh, go see them right now. All right. Well, thanks again, Ruvain, for this uh, fantastic injury update show. From all of us here at Beat the Shift, see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at Beat underscore shift underscore pod.